You are listening to the Forgotten News Podcast. But before we begin, here are a few words about a couple of other podcasts that we think you might want to try. Hey, I'm Hannah, and I'm the host of Murder Bucket, the true crime podcast. I started this podcast in 2020 during the height of COVID because I was bored and needing something to do, and I also love all things true crime and wanted to share that love and interest with you. Some things that we've done on this podcast are gone on a cold case road trip, discovered interesting rituals of different cults, and heard about some crimes that were food-related. Join me every Tuesday as I share with you lesser-known crimes and occasionally some weird stuff. During the first episode of each month, I cover true crime news, so don't skip the end. You can listen anywhere you download podcasts. Also, be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hey everyone, I'm Laura. And I'm Jill. And we are the hosts of Crime Divers Podcast. We are Scottish sisters who tell each other true crime cases that other hasn't heard of. New episodes are released every Tuesday and you can find us on your favourite podcast platform. So what are you waiting for? Grab your wetsuit and join us as we dive into the world of true crime. But remember, watch out for those sharks! Welcome to the Forgotten News Podcast. This is your window to hear true stories from long ago. Stories that once made headlines. Stories that people thought would be unforgettable. Yet those stories were soon lost in the sands of time or were buried deep in the dustbin of history. In this podcast, we shake off the sand and dust from those stories and share them here with you as fresh as the day they were first told. And now, here's your hosts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this mini-episode of the Forgotten News Podcast. This is Jim. Hi, this is Kit. This is Jessica. Yes, as promised, I have returned. And if that isn't enough excitement for you, here is something that we recently learned that definitely was a surprise to us. It was brought to our attention by Liz, a friend of our show. Thanks, Liz. Anyway, here it is. You might be aware of the website Listen Notes. Well, it's more than just a website. It's a very respected search engine for finding podcasts or for finding specific topics that have been featured on episodes of podcasts. It also has an algorithm system for ranking podcasts. And according to their statistics, our show is within the top 2% of podcasts. Woohoo! 
Hey, that is some very exciting news. Thank you, listeners, for making that happen. And thank you, Liz, for bringing it to our attention. Now, with that being said, we are going to celebrate by packing two great stories into this one mini-episode. We were hoping to create a full, regular episode, but an unexpected pile of problems got in the way. These two stories are both murder mysteries. But because this is a mini-episode... We will jump right into them. However, as usual, we will start with a short trigger warning, since both stories might be a little unsettling for some members of our audience. Listeners, if you are of a nervous or sensitive disposition, or get frightened easily, we advise you calmly but sincerely to simply turn off this mini-episode now. In addition, we do not recommend this mini-episode for children under the age of 14 because of the potentially disturbing nature of the subject matter for young ears. Parental discretion is strongly advised. So, with all of that having been said, on with the show! Listeners, this is Kit, because we know that some of you get mixed up between my voice and Jessica. Anyway, I'm going to narrate the first story, and if I sound a little nervous, it's not really my fault. I'm usually a pretty level-headed girl, just as calm as anyone, but, well... This story that I am about to tell you isn't exactly soothing, especially since it's a true story. And on that note, here it is, The Mysterious Death of Jeanette De Palma. This story begins in August of the year 1972, in Springfield Township, New Jersey, when a pretty young teenage girl suddenly vanished and was later found dead. One thing was immediately clear. She had been killed. The victim was named Jeanette De Palma. She was 16 years old and the murder quickly ignited a flurry of newspaper stories, mostly because of some unusual aspects of the case, beginning with the way that the body had been found. A man had been walking his dog. Suddenly, the dog ran off into some nearby woods that were located next to an apartment complex. The man began shouting to his dog, 
and the dog quickly returned. But it was carrying a bloody human arm in its teeth. The man got the dog to drop the arm. Meanwhile, an elderly woman in the apartment building just happened to have been looking through her window and had seen the entire chain of events. She picked up her phone and called the police. The police soon came to the scene. They immediately found the arm and began searching the woods. Then, it wasn't long afterward that Jeanette's body was found. This was September 16th, 1972. 76 days after Jeanette De Palma had been reported missing. The last time she had been seen alive by her family was the afternoon of Monday, August 7th, 1972. Jeanette had left her house to visit a friend after telling her mom where she was going. But after it got dark and she had not returned, her mother called the friend's house and learned that Jeanette had never arrived there. Her parents simply assumed that she had changed her mind and had spent the night with other friends. However, the next morning, when they still had not heard from Jeanette, her parents contacted the Springfield Police Department, who issued a missing person report and notified officers to be on the lookout. Now, these were the main verifiable facts that were known at the time. But shortly afterward, there were rumors that began to spread that Jeanette's body had been found on top of a primitive satanic altar, surrounded by occult symbols and markings such as pentagrams and upside-down crosses, together with arrows made out of twigs. There were additional rumors that this particular spot had been a location for regular gatherings of Satan worshippers, and also a local coven of witches. These rumors soon became the topic of newspaper stories and TV news reports, especially once the police detectives refused to comment and instead stated that they were investigating all leads. The pastor of a local Assembly of God church was briefly in the news when he stated that he believed that Jeanette had been killed by devil worshippers, for rejecting an invitation to join their group, and that instead she had responded by speaking to them about Jesus and why they should trust God rather than Satan. This pastor was contacted by the police and was asked for the source of his information, and unfortunately, he then needed to clarify that this had simply been his belief. His comments had been based solely on the many newspaper stories in which Jeanette had been described as a good girl who regularly went to church, was nice to everyone, 
and was never in any kind of trouble. He had no actual facts to support his claims. It is also widely reported that Jeanette and her family belonged to this Assembly of God Church. However, this is disputed by other sources, which say that the family is Catholic, not Assembly of God. In addition, Jeanette was a student at a Catholic high school at the time of her death, which also makes it unlikely that she had any connection to this man's church. Unfortunately, this pastor seems to have been someone who simply decided to inject himself into the story, perhaps just for some free publicity. But speaking of the rather angelic portrayal of Jeanette, a new rumor began spreading that Jeanette was secretly a party girl and that her body had been found at a secluded spot in the woods where local teens would go to drink alcohol or to get high on drugs. According to this rumor, Jeanette had been at one of these parties that summer. She had taken some kind of contaminated drugs and died. Then the other kids got scared and simply took off, just leaving Jeanette's body there for someone else to discover. But once again, it's just another rumor with no facts behind it. Then time simply went by and by. Weeks turned into months and eventually years. The police had no additional information, no clues, and no suspects. So the newspapers and the TV stations had no updates to report. Then the story of the unsolved death of Jeanette De Palma was basically forgotten until approximately 25 years later. The story was resurrected by an article in a magazine called Weird New Jersey, published in late 1997, after it had received a letter suggesting that this case would be an interesting topic for a story. This article featured all of the available facts as well as all of the strange rumors and conjecture in regard to the death of Jeanette De Palma. The editor requested a copy of the police file and was told that it had been destroyed in a flood caused by Hurricane Floyd in 1999. Nevertheless, this magazine continued to publish additional articles about the mystery, and readers sent their memories, tips, and opinions in regard to the murder. Then, as time went by, the magazine eventually transformed into a website, and the information contained on the website 
became a springboard for the story of the murder of Jeanette De Palma to become a topic that spread across the internet, on Facebook groups, on YouTube, and on podcasts that feature true crime and unsolved mystery stories. The story was typically summarized in the most lurid possible way. Here's the audio of one example that was posted on a YouTube channel near the end of last year. On September 19, 1972, a dog brought a decomposing forearm to its owner in Springfield, New Jersey. They quickly alerted police, and a body was soon discovered atop a cliff. The body was identified as Jeanette De Palmer, a 16-year-old who left her home on August 7 to take a train to a friend's house. The hill where she was discovered was covered with occult symbols, and locals claimed that her body was placed on a makeshift altar. Fingers were pointed at a coven of witches and Satanists, who were believed to have used De Palma for a human sacrifice. The autopsy could not reveal the cause of death, and her remains showed no evidence of bone fractures, bullet wounds, or knife strikes. Many of the case details have been destroyed due to the flooding caused by Hurricane Floyd in 1999. Some theories suggest that De Palma provoked a group of Satan-worshipping teens at her high school since she was involved with a group that helped drug addicts find their faith in Christ. To this day, her death remains a mystery. The information contained in that audio story is both inaccurate and incomplete. Because in February of the year 2021, in response to a request made under the New Jersey Open Records Act, the Springfield Police Department made a new search of its records and discovered that the case file had not been destroyed in a flood, as previously believed. So, they released a copy of the file to Jesse Pollock, an author who had previously written a book about the case that had been published in 2015. The police file contained photos, diagrams, and written descriptions of the crime scene. It contained absolutely no indication that the murder was connected to Satan worshippers or witches. Instead, according to the original 1972 investigation, it appeared that Jeanette's body had been simply dumped there by her killer because the area was thickly packed with trees, fallen branches, and bushes that would hide the body. In fact, the area was filled with so many trees and bushes that it would have been almost impossible for the location to have been a party spot for teens or anyone else. Furthermore, there was no evidence of a party or any other type of gathering in the 1972 police photos or written reports of the crime scene. Hence, it is now beyond obvious that this crime was not committed by Satanists, witches, or teens at some wild party in the woods. But there is one new fact contained in these police documents. The contents of Jeanette's purse 
which had been dumped in a pile approximately eight feet south of her body. Specifically, a pack of facial tissues, a Vicks inhaler, a small mirror, lipstick, a small container of eyeshadow, a comb, a key ring with one key, and a bottle of cough medicine. However, the purse itself was missing, along with her money and wallet. Her cross necklace was also gone. The cross necklace was widely reported by her family to have been missing from the body. And this is now corroborated by the newly released reports from the crime scene. Thus, it is apparent that Jeanette's killer took her purse and her cross necklace, possibly as some kind of creepy keepsake. And since taking so-called souvenirs is a common practice of serial killers, it has led some people to believe that she may have been a victim of Richard Cottingham, who had been an active serial killer in New Jersey around the time of her death. It is unknown as to whether the police have investigated this possibility. So, the big question remains unanswered. Who killed Jeanette De Palma? And why? Hello, listeners. This is Jessica, and I will be your narrator for the second story. Now, I have been fighting a cold for the past week, so I hope you can forgive me. Now, I'm going to start with a short observation. I think we can agree that, for the most part, the passage of time over the centuries has made a profound improvement in the habits of the human race. But there are isolated spots around the globe where time might as well have not existed for all the impression it has made. And there are some people on all parts of the globe whose minds are just as savage and barbaric as their ancient ancestors were 100,000 years ago. And on that note, I will now tell you the story of the mysterious death of Albert Schuster. Our story begins on March 8, 1952, when a man, Arnold Schuster, age 24, was found dead outside of his home in Brooklyn, New York. He had been shot. Once in each eye and twice in the groin. Oh boy. 
Schuster was a clothing salesman. He had no criminal record and no involvement of any type with organized crime. However, he had recently become the focus of a large amount of local publicity for being responsible for the capture of Willie Sutton, a notorious career criminal and bank robber. On February 18, 1952, Schuster had been riding home from work on the city subway system when he randomly happened to recognize Sutton, who was sitting on the seat across from him. Sutton was then on the FBI's 10 most wanted list, and Schuster had previously seen his photo in newspapers and elsewhere. He was currently wanted for having escaped from prison. Schuster waited for Sutton to get up and leave. He then followed him to a garage where he was changing a dead battery in his car. Schuster quickly called the police, who rushed to the scene. They arrested Sutton on the spot. A few days later, Schuster was found murdered. The police immediately launched a manhunt for his killer, and according to Detective Jack Latour, over 300 suspects were questioned. Eventually, Frederick Tenuto, a friend and criminal associate of Sutton, became the primary suspect. Tenuto, who was then a fugitive, had been positively identified by witnesses as having been at the scene of the crime. However, according to sworn testimony in 1963 by mafia informant Joseph Vellacci, the murder of Schuster had been ordered by Albert Anastasia, the head of the Gambino crime syndicate, after he saw him being interviewed on television. He allegedly said, I can't stand squealers. Hit that guy. Ironically, neither Sutton nor Albert Schuster had any prior connection with the mafia or the Gambino crime family. Schuster's family sued New York City for failure to protect him. And after some protracted legal wrangling, the city eventually settled for the sum of $41,000, which would be the equivalent of approximately 450000 in the present day. No one was ever arrested for the murder of Albert Schuster. So that's the end of the story. And we again want to apologize for the fact that this is a mini episode rather than a full length one. But we hope that the fact that we had two stories rather than only one will make up for that. However, because of the fact that this is a mini episode, we are not going to comment on the stories. Oh, well. 
Instead, we are going to let you use your imagination to try and solve the mystery. So, on that note, it's time to move on. First things first, because this is a mini-episode, we will not be presenting our usual features, police blotter and court news, and our recommendation and advice segment. Nevertheless, we would appreciate it if you would go to Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, to give a five-star rating and review for the Forgotten News Podcast. It would mean a lot to us if you would do that. And if your favorite streaming service carries this show and allows you to give a rating on there, please be sure to rate us five stars on that service also. Reviews help other listeners to find the show. And that way, they can hear the stories that we share with you. Now, besides reviews, we really like hearing from our listeners directly. So, just send us an email at ForgottenNewsPodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the search feature and you'll find us. It's super simple. By the way, everyone, I want every single one of you to know that you can contact and interact with me on Facebook and Twitter. However, it might be a little tricky to find my Facebook page. Apparently, there are a lot of Kit Karens. <laughs> so we will include a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. On the other hand, it's super easy to find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Kit Karen. Let me spell that for you. At K-I-T-C-A-R-E-N. My DMs are open. If you would like to chat with me, I would be glad to talk about almost anything. The keyword here being almost. So, don't be salty or mean. If you follow that one simple rule, I guarantee that you will hear back from me. So, do we have a deal? <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Jessica. I'd love to hear from you, regardless of whether it's about me or about the podcast. So, with that being said, you can reach me at XOXOJessica, XOXO on all social media platforms. Thank you. Bye. Listeners. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please use any of the ways that we have just given to contact us. Now, finally, if you've made it this far, hello there, and welcome to the end of this mini-episode. We hope that you enjoyed spending this time with us. And honestly... That's everything that we have on our agenda. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> There's one more thing. Remember, 
history is no mystery. Other than that, bye. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pleasant dreams. This mini episode was recorded before a live audience of us. Thank you for listening to the Forgotten News Podcast. We will now be returned back to the present day, and we hope that we can count on you to join us for our next episode. door in hell, and always into smaller and smaller chambers. This is a curse of criminals. A man does not become wilder and wilder, but only more and more despicable, shabby, and contemptible. Listeners, this is Kit Karen. Would you like me to make a special audio recording just for you? Or perhaps you would like a recording by Jim or by Jessica? Believe it or not, we are offering you our voices, and each of us are available to record for you. The audio can be almost anything. For example, a short story, a poem, a birthday greeting, a joke, an outgoing voicemail message, a ringtone. Hey, just be creative. I could even be the voice of your pretend girlfriend. In Canada. Yes, I can be the proof you need for your folks or your buddies at work or whoever you need to convince. <laughs> but seriously, this is for real. So, in other words, bottom line. I can record almost anything at all, up to a maximum of five minutes. And it's exactly the same thing for Jim or Jessica. Each of the three of us are available for all of your audio needs or desires. However, unfortunately, we can't do it for free. As much as we wish we could. But don't worry. Your price for any recording up to five minutes is only $5. That's right, listeners. Only $5. So 
if you would like to have my voice or Jim's voice or Jessica's voice to record something for you, I will now quickly tell you exactly what you need to know. Just go to the address bar on your computer, laptop, or whatever device that you are using and type paypal.me backslash forgotten news podcast. I'm going to repeat that. So grab a pen and write this down. Paypal.me backslash forgotten news podcast. And then simply send the sum of $5. You, of course, will also need to send an email to forgotten news podcast at gmail.com that says which one of our voices that you want. You will also need to tell us exactly what it is that you want to have recorded. You can either write it in the email itself, or you can attach a written script or document, or possibly a link to a web page that contains whatever you want recorded. Then we will send you the audio as soon as we can, usually within a week from when we receive your payment. But if you have a specific deadline for the recording, please let us know and we will immediately let you know if it is a deadline that we can do or not. So in a nutshell, I have just told you how you can get our voices, any of our voices, on an audio recording of your choice. Although, we each reserve the right to reject any request for any reason. But honestly, if we do that, we will issue you a full refund. However, for the most part, we are willing to record almost anything up to five minutes for the low, low price of only $5. And we look forward to getting your requests. Thanks so much. Bye.